Yeah, well, hello. I, Missy and I love tag teaming together in worship, and so for many of our meetings over the years, I'm just like, you're going to be there, right? Because it's like we just kind of connect on the same wavelength, and we just kind of know when it's your turn, when it's my turn, and it's just kind of this awesome, I don't know, I kind of view it like the Holy Spirit is present, and we have the privilege of directing traffic, you know? So, uh, anyway, don't go far, because I want you to come back later, okay? Okay? Yeah, about 1 o'clock or so, if you just want to come up as we wrap it up, okay? That would be great. Well, uh... It is good to be here. It's nice to see you guys. So we moved to Madison, um, my wife and I and our kids, in 1998. And we started going to these pastor's meetings. And it was all of these old guys and Pastor Steve, <coughs> um, who I think was everybody's mentor, you know, uh, even though he wasn't as old as them, of course. But uh, in some ways, over the years, Pastor Steve... Uh, has taken me under his wing and has mentored me in ways that I don't even think you realize you were mentoring me at the time, but uh, your godliness, your gentleness, your care, and your affirmation of me as a young punk back in the last century uh, has just meant a lot. And faithfulness is a trait that belongs to the Lord that is seen in too few people. And I want to honor you and say thank you for being faithful. Can we thank you, Pastor Steve? <clears throat> well, uh, I want to show you a picture of my family, because that way um, you at least know who all is here. So let's see. So that's, I'm the old guy, uh, and this is my wife, who is right here somewhere. Sarah, would you stand up? This is my wife here, Sarah. And these are our kids. So we have two sons and two daughters, and... Uh, the youngest just graduated high school, so now we're like borderline empty nest. Our oldest son moves out today, so thank you for having me here so I don't have to help him move. <clears throat> Believe me, I'm cheering for him from a distance. <laughs> um, I did a funeral the other day, and uh, I didn't know the family. So it's a little interesting when you go in and do a funeral for someone that you don't know. Um, I end up talking with some of the family members before so that I can get some information about the person so that we can celebrate their life. And as I went, it was a morning funeral at 11 o'clock, and I, and I get up there, and it's a room full of people, and the first thing I said was, good afternoon. I mean, good morning. And then people are very uncomfortable, and I said, trust me, it gets better. <laughs> And the whole room started laughing. And I'm just like, what is happening? The, no, this funeral home is never going to invite me back, you know. And, uh, but it's just so neat because people are looking for an opportunity to get rid of emotion. And at a funeral, you just don't know how. So all that to say, good afternoon. I want to read uh, a passage of Scripture today that many of us are familiar with. And it's uh, from the Psalms, Psalm 23. Uh, let's see here. Jaden, are you my guy up there? Somebody? All right, here's what we're going to do. We're going to read through it, and then, uh, and then we're going to pick it apart a little bit. So uh, I've got the verses up here in theory. Um, and so I want to read this, and, and then I'm going to pray. All right. Psalm 23. The Lord is my shepherd. I have everything I need. 
He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil, my cup overflows. Surely, goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Let's pray. Father in heaven, thank you for being good and faithful and true. Thank you for being the good shepherd. Thank you for this psalm that is written by one of your favorites, David, who was a master shepherd. Thank you for seeing something in him as he was spending his childhood with animals out in a field. You saw something great within him that said, this is one that I would like to lead my people. Thank you for seeing the good in us when so often we only see our failures, our shortcomings, our weaknesses. You are a good shepherd, and you will provide for us, you will care for us, you will correct us, and you will give us hope that does not disappoint. Would you let us see yourself and your son as the good shepherd in our life in a way that is deeper and more rich than we might have ever known. Would you meet the deepest needs that we have today? And I believe that some of those needs we're not even aware of. So we bring ourselves to you, all that we are, and would you be gracious and good enough to allow all that you are to be attainable for us today. In Jesus' name, amen. The Lord is my shepherd. I have everything I need. When we would read the Bible to our children when they were younger, um, something that I never noticed, but our kids picked up on, Jesus is at the beach a lot. What? So much of the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, it starts off with Jesus lighting a fire, Jesus cooking breakfast, Jesus walking on water, Jesus fishing, Jesus talking to the people at the lake, at the beach, walking along the shores. My kids' takeaway was not how do I get to heaven? It's Jesus likes to go to the beach. I want to be like Jesus. I'm like, all right, whatever it takes. You know, if you want to be like Jesus, I personally like the idea that Jesus slept on a boat. That's how I want to be like Jesus this summer. You know, I don't mind that. But they noticed that. I mean, and you look at Simon, who was fishing, who was taking care of his nets. Jesus said, follow me and I will make you fishers of men. Simon left everything. I mean, he gave up his life. He gave up his purpose. He gave up his name and became Peter and followed Jesus. Levi was a tax collector, making a lot of money, kind of on the shady side, but he was taking care of business, and he was making a good name for himself. Jesus saw him and said, follow me. And immediately, Levi left all that he had and followed Jesus. Jesus changed his purpose. Jesus changed his life. And Jesus changed their names. Simon became Peter. Levi became Matthew. And these were the disciples that would begin the dirty dozen that Jesus would once walk with that we so well know. Not necessarily the dirty dozen. It's probably a copyrighted thing. But uh. So there was something about Jesus that made him so attractive to these men who had their whole lives figured out and taken care of that they immediately left what they were doing 
to follow Jesus. I want Jesus to be everything that I need. About five years ago, I was going through a very difficult time. I had heard and talked and counseled with people with depression and anxiety, and I didn't understand it. I'm just like, dude, just get off the couch. I mean, listen, sweetheart, just do the laundry. I mean, come on, it's not that difficult, you know, and I can't even go across the room to get the mail. I'm like, I just didn't get it. I, I'm a compassionate person, although these people didn't think so. <laughs> But then about five years ago, I hit a brick wall, and it didn't make any sense because things in my life were going fine. The bills were mostly being paid. I loved being on staff at the church, and I was just emotionally spent and drained, and I was wrestling with a lot of these depression and anxiety feelings and symptoms that these other people were talking about. I'm like, oh, my goodness. And I couldn't make any sense of it. And I met up with a pastor friend for breakfast. And he was kind of like the slick salesman. Just so you know, it was nobody on staff here. Super nice guy. He loves me, but he didn't have any room for depression, just like I didn't 10 years ago. And he's just like, hey, how's it going? He's like, I heard you were in a pretty dark place. Everything good now? Everything good now? It's kind of like the waitress that comes by, and your table needs all kinds of stuff. Hey, you guys doing OK? You know, whoa, 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 no, we're not. You know, did you really want to know how we were doing, or did you just want to say that you came by the table? We're not doing well. I was not doing well. But this pastor just kept smiling and just kept saying, what's new and exciting? What's good? And I was just in a low, low place. My kids didn't quite know what to do with me. My wife, she has experience not knowing what to do with me, but this was a new level. And I met up with that pastor about three months later. And the Lord had been faithful through that dark season. And I was coming out of the other side of it. And again, it still didn't make sense to me. And he said, hey, how's it going? You doing all right? Doing better? I said, yes. I said, but I wouldn't change anything that happened. Oh, well, it wasn't that bad. I said, it was horrible. I said, but once I realized in those dark, dark days that Jesus was all that I had, I discovered for the first time in my life that Jesus is all that I need. The Lord is my shepherd. I have everything I need. Or the verse that we perhaps memorized, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. 1 Timothy 6 says, Godliness with contentment is great gain, for we brought nothing into the world, and we can take nothing out of it. These disciples got it. Jesus was all that they needed. And I'll tell you what, if we need more than Jesus, then we're not quite content enough. I don't want to be so grabby that Jesus isn't enough. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. So here's the thing with sheep. If sheep are scared, they won't rest and they probably won't eat. In the morning, I like to sit out on my patio, and I don't know about you guys, but there are baby bunnies everywhere, you know? And, um, uh, and they come out, and you know, and once, once they get to be like teenagers, they want nothing to do with you, kind of like humans. Um, but uh, these bunnies, so I will sit out there, and I'll be really quiet, and I'll just kind of read and sip my coffee, and once in a while, the bunnies don't see me, and they'll kind of get close. 
and they're just, you know, they're digging for stuff, and they're in the flowers, and they're just, they're just so stinking cute, and I'm just watching these bunnies, and, but as soon as, like, I <clears throat> cough or clear my throat or slurp my coffee, you know, I make a variety of noises. When you get to be my age, the noises just keep coming, and that's all we'll say about that. But as soon as the bunny knows that I'm there, I mean, it's panic. And then I, I'm like, okay, do I stay still and see if the cuteness will continue? Or do I say, hey, buddy, you know, because he's like, I'm out of here. You know, he doesn't want anything to do with me, you know. And, um, but he will not eat, or she, you know. They, the, these bunnies will not eat. They will not be still. They, they're like in panic mode. And you know, they're just waiting to see what's going to happen next. It's like these sheep. If sheep are scared, it's difficult for them to sleep or eat. And so if the terrain is inconsistent or there's not a lot of grass or there's rocks, the sheep kind of don't know. They don't like hunting around for food. They're kind of not smart enough to do that. The shepherd needs to take care of them. They can make them nervous. So like waterfalls and rivers, in case you didn't know what rivers and waterfalls sounded like, <clears throat> that still wasn't a great impression. But, uh, but because of all the noise, the sheep won't eat. They won't eat. They won't rest. They won't relax. Shepherds know what they need, and the shepherds stay with the sheep. And a green pasture, he makes me lie down in green pastures. Now, that sounds a little controlling. He makes me lie down in green pastures. We had our nephew come into town uh, a couple weeks ago, our uh, my niece and nephew stayed with us, and we went mini-golfing in the Dells. Pirate's Cove, you know, you climb, and oh my goodness, I think the altitude's too high. I'm getting old, you know. Uh, I make noises, and I don't like to walk as much as I used to. It's just stuff's happening, okay? You guys didn't realize this would be a counseling session for me, but thank you very much. Uh, so we're up there, and it was just, he was overstimulated. I mean, he was figuring out that he has this metal pole in his hand that he can do things with and he's like swinging for the fences with this thing and I mean and I'm just trying to stay alive and then he gets frustrated and then he's at it with his sister and he's watching the waterfalls and everything going on and he just kind of has this meltdown it was just overstimulation and so I sit with him and he didn't want to come near me but I kind of held on to him from the back and I just sat down and I just kind of hold I'm holding him and he's just He's crying, he's excited, he's a little scared, and he's just squirming, and I'm just holding him, and I'm speaking nice things to him. I said, Caden, it's okay. We're okay. You're safe. And after about five minutes, he just kind of went limp. You know how it is with a little baby. They're fed, they're changed, they're rested, but they're just fussy. That's the good father making him lie down in green pastures. God knows when we need to rest. And sometimes we get so busy in our minds and in our lives that we forget to rest. The good shepherd makes us lie down. Don't fight the Lord if he's asking you to rest. God doesn't need you as much as you need him. Oh, that's good. Ow, that hurt. Um, <clears throat> Mindful shepherds know what their sheep need most, and they do everything they can to nourish their flock. I mean, I can change my attitude, my thinking, my calendar, my plans, but only God restores my soul. K 
can we have the verse up there as I'm talking about it? Would that be okay? Um, and then I'll just kind of keep going to the next verse if that's all right. So I came home from work one night. My kids were all there. And sometimes when I would work all day at the church office, um, I would come home for dinner and I had a meeting at night. So we would like, my wife and I would time it back and forth. It's like, okay, hey, we're going to have dinner at six o'clock and then we're going to, you know, I said, okay, I got a 6.30 meeting, 10 minutes away from the house. She's like, all right, if you land from like 6 to 6.20, you can have a whole dinner with us, and then you can just kind of sneak out. And so I would do that. Instead of like not coming home at all, I tried to have these family dinners and make it work with the kids. And uh, one time I came home, and it was one of those times. I show up, you know, 5.59, I start washing my hands, and and I'm, you know, busy from the day thinking about the meeting tonight, but I just kind of check it all at the door, and I'm like, hey, guys, and I sit down and start having, uh, getting ready to have dinner, and before I, before I actually sat down, my, my son says, Daddy, take your shoes off. I said, oh, no, it's okay, it's okay. Oh, my goodness, this spaghetti looks amazing, this is amazing. Daddy, take your shoes off. No, I, I, don't, need to, I don't need to unlace my shoes, I'm good. Daddy, would you take your shoes off? And, uh, and Sarah, my wife, says to me, she's like, the kids know if you don't take your shoes off that you're not staying. So he doesn't really care about your shoes, but he wants to know that you're going to stay. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> so in this moment, I made some arrangements and I got out of that meeting that I was going to that night, and I realized that I've been going to meetings five nights a week and working many long days, and my priorities were out, and the Lord was making me lie down in green pastures. And when we lie down and rest, God is with us. My kids were happy to eat, but what they wanted more was for their dad to be there with them. If you're so busy that you're missing out on the things that are most important, then you're too busy. What is the state of your soul? Are you anxious, worried, calendar too full, life too busy? God is with you, and he is for you, and he is good. I'm just going to pause for a moment just, just to let us take a moment to give something to God that might be consuming us more than it should. So, Lord, we give that thing to you. We give that relationship to you. We give our schedule to you. We give our whatever it is. Help us to submit to your embrace and your rest. The next verse he leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Psalm 119, your word is a lamp to guide my feet and a light for my path. God leads us in the right paths. Our lives, this world has many paths and many voices, but the good shepherd knows the right path. And just for the record, the loudest voices that we hear are probably not the true voice. God often speaks in a still, small voice. 
I used to want to be the center of attention. I mean, I loved to be the center of attention. I love being the funny guy. I love being the life of the party. I like being the guy that people were waiting for to see, and I just like making everybody laugh, and, oh, Dave's here, you know, and then, then I got married, and I had a really cute wife, and she is still really cute, by the way, but anyway, I'm just like, oh, you have such a cute marriage. Oh, your kids are so cute, and you're so together, and this is great, and I just, I loved when people would talk about me, and I loved talking about me. And it was really fun, but it was really empty. And I was the center of attention, and it just, I created my own little world of awesomeness. And I'll tell you what, that is a very shallow world. And I realize once I made Jesus my Lord, my Savior, my leader, my shepherd, that my life, my purpose had changed to making him the center of attention. When we get to represent Jesus, think about the word represent. We get to represent Jesus. You might think, well, Jesus doesn't live here anymore. Jesus was resurrected and went up into heaven, but he does live here. He lives here in the earth, on the earth, through you and through me. We get to represent Jesus so that when people come to know Jesus, they're like, oh, he's just like my buddy that I know. Yeah. Oh, Jesus. Yeah. He's just like this girl that comes in a coffee shop all the time. I mean, let's be like Jesus so that people can have an easy path to find Jesus because they like being around you. And if they like being around you and you're being like Jesus, they're really going to enjoy being around Jesus because Jesus is a lot better than me or you. So when people spend time with you, Who's the center of attention? Is it you? I want to encourage you, if it is, to stop it. One of the ways that you can help make Jesus the center of attention is by helping the other people in the room be the center of attention. Ask questions about people. Care about them. Love on them. Because that's selfless servanthood, and that's what a shepherd does. So a wise shepherd has a reputation of being a good leader as well. Uh, shepherds kind of compete with one another. I mean, shepherds are known, and you can see their sheep. If they're healthy sheep or if they're, like, scrawny sheep, you can just tell who's willing to make the bigger sacrifice for their sheep. Some of the sheep are missing legs because the shepherd has not protected them well enough. Some of the sheep are missing fur because they've been ripped apart from some enemies. Some of the sheep are just, they're not clean, and you can just tell that a proud shepherd, prideful in a good way, you know, proud shepherd just had his sheep or her sheep just they were together they followed the voice of the shepherd they were clean they were nourished and they were together so a good shepherd is known as a good leader he makes it clear to the sheep which way to go god's word shows us the right path and his spirit gives us the power to walk so that Jesus' name can get the glory so he leads me in passive righteousness for what his name's sake if you're trying to be the center of attention, Jesus will never be the center of attention. So God leads us in these paths because he wants to be the center of attention. Because he knows when he's the center of attention, we all win. Next verse. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. So we went to Colorado this summer. We had never been to Colorado together. It was beautiful. Anyone been to Colorado? The mountains are amazing. People were saying, you should go hike. You should go hike. It was like in the 90s out there. It was like, oh, my goodness, I can't hike. I, I can hardly breathe. Um, but 
Sometime we want to go back out to Colorado and experience it a little bit more. But it was hot and it was beautiful. But in the mountains, it got really cold at night. So I'd wake up early in the morning and I'd go outside. I'm like, I should have brought a coat. I mean, it was like 92 yesterday when I went to bed. And now it's like 50s, you know, it's crazy. Um, well, it's interesting in the mountains it does get cold at night and where that sun is makes all the difference when that sun starts to set and the shadows overtake the valleys it's cold and it's so cold down there that actually some of the water can even freeze at night and so when a sheep uh when a shepherd leads their sheep from one plateau to another plateau they got to go kind of down into the valley but here's the deal. They got to start off early in the day because that shepherd needs to get all of those sheep through that valley. Down in the valley is where like the spring water is and the lush grass because I mean, it's just so humid and wonderful and rich down there, but it gets hot down there. So he's leading them and these sheep are like, <sighs> they finally get down there, but this is not their end destination. This is wonderful where they can park it for a little while, get some lush grass in their system and get some pure spring water to refresh them because the next part of the day is getting up that hill before sunset. Because if those sheep stay down in that valley overnight, they will freeze and they will die. So, from a shepherd's perspective, he doesn't lead his sheep to the valley, he leads them through the valley. Jesus said, I have told you these things so that in me you might have peace. In this world you will have trouble, but take heart. I have overcome the world. Jesus is the good shepherd, and he knows about valleys. He knows about dark places. But Jesus doesn't lead us to the valley. He leads us through the valley. So, are you in a valley? Are you in a dark place? Are you in a season of the unknown or you don't know what's going to happen next? Are you hurting in some way, shape, or form? When my oldest son was 16, I was teaching him how to drive, and he was driving a stick shift. We have a little stick shift, and we had this giant conversion van. And I'm like, if my kids can drive both of these, they can drive anything. And so we're driving this stick shift. Does anyone in here drive stick shift? You know, all right, all right, all right. Good. This is a good skill to have. So we're driving around, and, and, and I'm letting him drive and, you know, just trying to avoid my clutch smell burning up, you know. And, uh, and so we're going around town, and we come over to this intersection. It's a four-way stop sign, and it is this very busy intersection. Um, and we ended up there, and he's there, and it's a little bit of an incline, and it's one of those things where, like, it's a four-way stop, and everyone's coming, everyone's in a hurry, and nobody knows who goes first. And my son is here, fresh 16-year-old, in a stick shift car. And he, I'm just kind of letting him. I said, it's your turn. It's your turn. And it dies. You know, he spits it out a little bit past the stop line. And, uh, and um, he's just like, I said, Levi, I said, you got it. I said, put it into gear, put the clutch in, start it again. You know, these other cars are wondering, what the heck, man? What are you doing? And... Uh, so I just got my hand on his shoulder, and, uh, he, and he gives it again, and he goes halfway into the intersection, and the guy behind him honks, and the car dies again. So here he is kind of creeping out into this intersection with all of these people, and this guy behind us is just ready to 
move us over himself. And, um, and, I, uh, and I just put my hand out the window. This was the finger I used. It was a good finger. I just said, I just said wait. This was my way of saying, you know, hang on. And with my other hand, I turned the rearview mirror so that Levi couldn't see the guy behind him. And I said, Levi, you know what to do. I said, don't worry about anybody else. I said, you do what needs to happen. We got this. I'll watch from behind. And he did that, took his time. We got through the intersection. He pulled in the parking lot and about <laughs> collapsed in panic. But he's like, he looked at me and he said, we did it. When you have a success in your life and the Lord is with you during it, it's a we did it situation. God is with us. That intersection will forever be a valley in the memory of my son Levi and a moment in my life that I wasn't sure what I was going to do. I didn't know if I was going to strangle the man behind me. I didn't know if I was going to scold my son or if I was going to get out and start directing traffic. But I chose wisely. Don't worry about what's behind you. I've got you. You know what to do. And then I loved his response when we made it through. Dad, we did it. God doesn't lead us to the valley. The good shepherd leads us through the valley. The valley is not the final destination. You know, I read this this morning, and I told my wife, I said, I should read this now. It's First Peter. Check this out. Verse 4. Dear friends, do not be surprised at the painful trial you are suffering, as though something strange were happening to you. But rejoice that you participate in the sufferings of Christ so that you may be overjoyed when his glory is revealed. I didn't even think about this with that driving thing. Do not be surprised at the painful trial you are suffering, <laughs> Levi. <laughs> this is part of driving. As though something strange were happening to you, but rejoice that you participate in the sufferings. Jesus is with you, and we are going to receive the glory as we watch him take us through the valley. Next verse, your rod and your staff, they comfort me. Sorry, the pollen count is high in this room. My kids are like, Dad, why do you carry a handkerchief? Why would you want to put snot back in your pocket? I said, I said you know what, it's what your grandpa always did, and when I do it, it reminds me of him, you know. Snot pockets. Okay. <clears throat> that cute little shepherd staff that you see with children's clays, you know, it's like that with the little, oh, isn't that cute? Look at that cute little shepherd. Look at that fake little beard on that little girl. You know, look at those little sheep. You know, isn't that nice? Well, that shepherd's staff is meant to be long and to, to guide the sheep. And if they're going to a dangerous place, the hook is meant to kind of grab their torso, to pull them back. But that thing is also a prod. When there's just an ornery sheep that wants to go and do their own thing, that staff becomes a little bit of a weapon. It's not just all cute and Hallmark Channel. I mean, it's kind of like a little bit of get over here because I know what's best for you. 
we live on a side street, but it's a busy side street, so kind of people come booking through. And so when our kids were younger, we had a rule that you cannot go past the sidewalk. You could play ball, you could do anything you want, but just don't go past the sidewalk. Even though, you know, there was still six feet of grass before the street, we knew what drive, we didn't want kids running up to the street and freaking out drivers and anyone to get hurt. So our youngest son was the slowest to get some of the rules. Um, maybe some of you have one of them. Uh, but there was a basketball that they were shooting and, and the basketball starts rolling towards the street. And he was just all consumed on this basketball. And I come running out the front door to watch him just go to the end of the street, or end of the sidewalk and to the end of the driveway. And I see this pickup truck come down. And I just come out and I said, stop. I mean, the whole neighborhood stopped. Everything. I think that truck stopped. <laughs> and that ball went over and rolled right underneath the truck. And my little boy, probably three, he just stood there and he started bawling. And then the neighbor kids started bawling. <laughs> and so was I a bad dad for yelling at my kid? No. I knew what he needed. I protected him with my voice. I knew what he needed most. And that moment, it was partnered with some volume. <laughs> well, Hebrews 12 says, God disciplines us for our, for our good in order that we may share in his holiness. No discipline seems pleasant at the time. Does it? But painful. Later on, however, it produces a harvest of righteousness and peace for those who have been trained by it. No discipline seems pleasant at the time, but painful. I don't want to be corrected. A diligent shepherd keeps the sheep safe, even if there is some pain in the process of doing so. Until we embrace God's correction and his discipline, we will miss out on a life filled with freedom and peace. If we keep doing it our own way, God's going to keep letting us, and we will never be truly fulfilled or satisfied. The Lord disciplines those he loves. So let the good shepherd correct and discipline you because he knows what is best for you. All right, we're almost done here. You prepare, the next verse, you prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. All I can think about is Pastor Stephen Holly, your guys, I mean, you preparing tables. I mean, we would go over there for these pastor parties, and I'm like, what, did I just enter into Narnia here? This is like 9,000 square foot lower level. And, I mean, it was just, just always so well taken care of, and we just feasted when we were there. And it was just so great. You prepare a table before me. Do you know what a table is to a shepherd and sheep? A table is a flat plateau of grass where the sheep can eat, rest, and be cared for. So the shepherd gets the sheep sleeping. And while the hired hands are watching the sheep, the shepherd goes at night ahead to the next table. In the presence of all of the enemies, the wolves, the foxes, any enemies of the sheep. So the shepherd is out there by the moonlight, scoping out where he's going to bring his sheep the next day. And he's making eye contact with every enemy of these sheep so that when the sheep come out in the daylight, these enemies, these animals know that they're going to have to go through that shepherd before they 
have a thought about getting to any of his sheep. God goes before us. When we're sleeping, God is moving. Even though, even when we don't feel it, he's working. Psalm 60 says, through God we shall do valiantly, for it is he who will tread down the enemies. Well, last verse. You anoint my head with oil, my cup overflows. Sheep are vulnerable, and bugs and insects and parasites get in to the sheep's bodies through their eyes and their nose and their mouth and their ears, and they it's kind of grody, but they kind of build nests and they kind of get in there and that's where sheep get diseased and yuck. And so a shepherd makes this ointment and he puts it around these sheep. He has each sheep come up and, and he puts this goop around all of the openings in their, in their head. And it's just so, it's a mess. But he does it so that when the flies try to come in, they stick to that ointment and they never are able, the enemies are never able to make a camp inside the sheep. So, it's difficult to let God do his work when his work is uncomfortable. But he sees something bigger than our momentary discomfort. Our son has little caged pets, and he takes care of them so well. And we just wish that he would care about people as much as he cares about his bunnies and his gerbils and his hamsters. And so one time, I, you know, he just comes home and says, I got to see my pets. I got to see my pets. And I said, Levi, have you ever thought about people the way that you think about your pets? And he said, not really. Although there are some people I'd like to put in a cage. <laughs> Dude, no, 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 no. See, God doesn't necessarily eliminate the distracting pests in our lives, but he gives us what he needs to endure them. And this life is a life of endurance. And then finally we see, surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Could I ask Missy and the team and whoever else would like to come up here? Well, not everybody. I mean, that would, that would be weird. Then I'd have to turn around and anyway. But uh, uh, thanks. It's great when no one laughs at the jokes and then you say something weird and the whole place goes nuts. Okay. <clears throat> when I was a child in Sunday school, I thought surely goodness and mercy were two old ladies that were following me. I mean, it was... We used to, surely goodness and mercy shall follow me, creepy. You know, I like, surely goodness. Okay, well, I, I always thought it was a lady until I read the psalm when I was an adult. <sighs> Some days it's difficult to see the goodness in the world around us, but we can be assured that God's goodness is following us. Jesus is the good shepherd. He will never leave you. He will never forsake you. He will never turn his back on you. He is with you. He is for you. He is good. Now, a lot of times we think the Lord is my shepherd. Yay, I want to be comforted. I want to be loved. I want to be held. I want somebody to love me and tell me it's going to be okay. 
those are all part of the things that the Lord does as our good shepherd. But the good shepherd also prods and pokes and rebukes and disciplines and corrects and leads and guides and trusts us to trust him. God lets us take the first steps, and he promises to never leave us. So maybe some of us are here. Maybe some of us are at home. Maybe some of us are like, I just need to be reminded or to know for the first time that God is good and that I am loved, I am cared for, and he will lead me to good things. If that's you, oh my goodness, just receive the goodness and the love of God and just let him love you in the midst of your mess. He is the good shepherd. God is ready. He's always ready. And he's just waiting most of the time for you and I to say yes. The God of the universe, the one who created all good things, as well as you and me, is waiting for us to make the first move. Maybe you've made the first move. Whoa, yeah, I've done that. Okay, where are you at now? My moment of crisis came five years ago when life T-boned me, and I didn't know what to do. And every little verse and every little cute saying that I had heard and learned all of a sudden started to matter because Jesus was all that I had in those dark times. And as I said before, once he was all that I had, I realized that he was all that I needed. I want to invite you guys to stand up if you're able to where you're at. And here's the deal. This is a, we're not just a bunch of individual sheep kind of doing our own thing. We need each other. We are a flock. God wants to lead us together. And God wants us to encourage and remind one another of the things that are good and right and true. God needs us to encourage each other when we're down. God needs us to correct each other when we're being dumb. God needs our help and invites us to love one another as Christ loves us. And sometimes that's a little messy. Here, buddy, let me put a little ointment on your face. Hey, I'm just saying. Let God provide for you. Let God give you peace. Let him restore your soul. Let him lead you. Let his perfect love cast out fear in your life. Let his discipline comfort you. Let God handle your enemies. Let his hands hold your face, anoint your head, and fill your cup. We are the church, and you guys are blessed to be part of this flock, this family. We need one another to remind each other of how much we each need Jesus. If there is something that you need to give to the Lord in any of these areas, if something was spoken to you this morning, whether it was out of my mouth or from the Lord to your heart, I want to invite you just to hold that in your hand, like physically put your hands out before you. And if the Lord is asking you 
to allow him to shepherd you in a deeper and greater way. Imagine that thing that hinders you being in your hands. Lord, you see us right here. You know what's in our thoughts and in our minds and in our hearts and, so to speak, in our hands. Would you take those things that hinder and would you allow us to allow you to lead us as our good shepherd? And just kind of wipe those things off. Give it to God. And if it was pretty heavy, stomp on it. And get rid of it. Thank you, Lord, for being good and faithful and true.